This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. The book of Matthew, chapter number 9. Matthew, chapter number 9. I'm so Honored to see you here uh, this this morning. Excited about what God's going to do. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to have a good time together today. God is with us. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Most of all, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Let it change our lives. Lord, you've been doing some amazing things in this place. Lord, what you spoke in here through your message on Wednesday night changed our hearts in so many ways. And what happened last Sunday, Lord, thank you. But now as we come to this place, I thank you that you have a now word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're in a series here called Last, okay? And a lot of times this is the definitive word on the matter. But it really comes down to this study of when, when, when something happens, like on the first week, we talked about the disciples start arguing among themselves, like, who's the best? Who's the greatest? And so they're arguing among themselves, and then these, even these two, the, their mother comes and says, I want my boys to be like, you know, your right-hand guys. And so one on the right, one on the left, one right there with you. And so Jesus has this response. He tells them this, this story about this man who hires people to work, and then he says to them, he says, uh, but the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And, and so in that week, we really studied that that's really about learning to serve others in our lives. And I was celebrating the fact that we had a couple hundred volunteer opportunities chosen that day. I thought that was awesome. Let's, let's just celebrate all those who made that decision that day. Amen. They're still processing those and all. It was great. And then we came to last week. And if God didn't deal with your heart last week, that's okay because he dealt with mine. And last week we read this, this, this passage to where uh, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And as he washes their feet, this is the declaration that he makes. And I, I just was amazed at the look on different people's face when I, made, when I read this portion of the Scripture. The declaration he says, he says, after he washes all their feet, he says, as you have seen me do, you should do for each other. And the more lovey-dovey ones of you started taking your shoes off. And I was like, put your shoes back on. And I used to just saw that one brother who was like, what, the one Sunday I come to church, they want me to take my shoes off? And it has nothing to do with washing feet. It has to do with when there is a betrayer in your life, treating them the same way you treat those that you love dearly. Because that's what Jesus was teaching in that story. He said, as you've seen me be fair to all, even the one that's betraying me, even the one that's going to deny me, even the one that's going to doubt my resurrection, as you see me doing that, then... You should do the same. Be good to everybody that you encounter. And the ultimate way to sum that up is what they do shouldn't change who I am in God. So today we come to another story in Matthew chapter 9 of of what Jesus is is dealing with to show them something. And, And it's kind of a powerful truth here. But let me just sum it up for you like this way. Imagine this scenario. There's a wife who, who sends uh, a text to uh, uh, her husband and says, bring home some milk. Okay? Now, I get that text quite often. Can I tell you, 
that I usually remember about a quarter of a mile from the house. And I turned the truck around. They were like, where are you headed? I was like, don't even worry about it. And I go back and I get the milk and, and then you come home. But, if, but imagine this scene. You send your spouse a, a text and, and you say, did you get the, uh, or bring some milk? And so they walk in the door. And so what do you say? Did you remember the milk? And this is their answer. The fields are ripe unto harvest. Come on now. Well, did you get the milk? The lily does not worry about. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? So have that kind of mindset here. It's basically, you know, it's a miracle what God's doing in our community as churches are working together. And to understand churches working together, you, you kind of have to see that this is sort of what's happening in Matthew chapter 9. There's two ministries. We actually know that the ministry of John continued beyond John's life. There's actually an apostle who comes later who is preaching the gospel of John, uh, the Baptist, later. And he has to get instructed in the greater truth by Priscilla and Aquila, okay, in later in the, in the Bible that they would, he would then know the, the truth of the gospel of Christ, okay? So they've got these ministries going on side by side, and the, God, the disciples of John start looking over here at the disciples of Jesus, and they're doing something they're not doing. So here's, here's where we, we start. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 says this, one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus. Okay, Other ministry across town came over to Jesus and said, why don't your disciples fast like we do, watch this, and the Pharisees do? So let's read this, John the Baptist. So the Baptist church sent their people to another church. And watch this, and said, why don't your disciples do what we do? And this was what blows my mind and what the Pharisees do. They're comparing themselves to Pharisees and they're the disciples of John. John called the Pharisees like all kind of horrible names. And they come in and go, well, we do it. The Pharisees even do it. Why don't you do it? What kind of ministry are you, Jesus? And so well, how does Jesus respond? You ready for this? Here he goes. Jesus replied, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? What? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. I think he's trying to answer our question. And then he, then he goes on. He says, Besides, now what was the question? Why do your disciples not fast? What was the question? Why do your disciples not what? And so what's Jesus' reply? Well, well, while the bridegroom's with them, they're not going to do uh, anything but, but, but celebrate. And then he goes on and gets even deeper. He says, besides, who could patch old clothing with a new cloth? What did I ask you? <laughs> For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And then he goes even further off the edge and he says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wine skins so that both are preserved. Can you imagine John's disciples at this point? They went away going, we don't know why they don't fast, but we don't get it. But here's the problem. Jesus does answer their question. 
And I'm sorry, I'm going to mess up my sermon a little bit with this, but, but here's the problem. He does answer their question, but he just does not answer it in the time frame of which they're looking at. They're looking at what are you doing right here? And Jesus says, he says, look, 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 while the bridegroom is here, while I'm with them, they're not going to mourn, but the day is going to come when they're going to fast, they're going to pray, and they're going to ask for something more. When they do ask for something more, I'm going to put something on the inside of them that is more than what they're capable of handling now. And so what he says is, he says, look, the, the day's going to come when they're going to go somewhere and they're going to get in an upper room and they're going to cry out and they're going to fast and they're going to pray and they're going to ask me for something more. They don't even know what the more is, but they just want whatever it is, this promise that you've spoken of, God, we want to receive this promise that you have for us. And he says, wait a minute, though, but the problem is where they are right now is not where they're going to be after they see me raised from the dead. It's not going to be after they see me crucified. It's not going to be until that stage they're not going to be where they need to be yet. And if I put inside of them now what they are going to get when I do what I want to do in them, they're going to explode because they're not going to be able to handle it. They're not going to be able to connect with the mighty power of the Holy Spirit the way they want because, watch this now, who they're living like now is not what they're going to live like then. Now, I'm just getting started growing them, but I have a plan for them. Can I just tell somebody in this place that God has sent me with a message to tell you today, you're not where you're going to be yet, and you've not prepared yourself for all that God wants to do in you yet, but God is working on you, and if you will allow him, he's going to get you ready to accomplish more than you could ever think, ask, or even imagine, because God has a great destiny in store for your life. Amen. You're just not where you're going yet. You're just not there yet. So, Pastor, how am I going to get there? How am I going to get ready? What am I going to do? See, what Jesus is saying is, I've got to change who they are so they can get what I want for them. And when I change who they are, then they're going to receive that. Then they're going to have a change. Then something's going to be different. Let me just say this, that may seem a little odd to us in our modern concept of faith, but when you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, it should be evidenced with a significant spiritual and physical change. I mean, there should be a difference in your life. There should immediately begin to be differences in your behavior from before as you begin to walk into a new chapter of life. You see... People ought to see you're not who you used to be. People that you used to party with ought to get around you and say, man, you're not fun anymore. And you say, let me just, I, I just got to meddle with that one for a moment. What do you mean I'm not fun anymore? I, I know how to have a good time. I still know to, how to have joy. But there's nothing fun about waking up with your head hung over a toilet. Come on now, people. Amen. There's nothing fun waking up with a DUI and not knowing how you got where you're going. There, there's nothing fun waking up with somebody you don't know who they are and you're ashamed to know that there's nothing fun about living in sin. You're not any fun anymore. No, no, no. You don't understand. I have a different concept of what good is now because I have been changed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. There's a new day. And you've got to begin to, to start changing into who God's called you to be. In order to do that, in order to begin a new chapter of your life, you must end the last chapter. I want you to get that. 
If you want to start growing toward who God wants you to be, you're going to have to make up your mind you no longer want to be who you used to be. You're going to have to have a, a, a mark, a moment, a time, put a period on that thing and get the job done to make the change in your life. You see, that's the problem. Most of us want to have a change. We just don't know where to begin. And, and you've got before, listen, if you, want to, if you want to go on, then you're going to have to finish that page of your life. Most of us, we, we don't want to put a period on that thing. Most of us want to put a comma on it. Maybe a semicolon, but that's not even strong enough. What you need to do is put an exclamation point on it and say, I am not who I used to be this ends here. I am changed by the blood of the Lamb. But here's the problem. We want to keep the comma just in case things don't work out. I have in front of me this scan drive you guys are doing, but let, let me, uh, James, would you grab me something out of there? Uh, I, let me just see here. All right. Ooh. <laughs> Macaroni and cheese. Oh, praise the Lord. I am here with a message for those of you who have a macaroni and cheese problem. Here's the way it works. I bring you a word. You say, yes, I want to serve God. I don't want to live by the control that mac and cheese has on my life anymore. That's done. That's just stupid. Bear with me. I could call that what you're really doing. Stick with the mac and cheese. So I got a mac and cheese problem. And my mac and cheese problem I know is sin. And I know I need to get rid of my mac and cheese problem. So I say I'm not going to buy any more mac and cheese. I'm not going to live by mac and cheese alone anymore. Come on now, amen. And so I say, well, I don't want any mac and cheese in my life anymore. But, but I'll set it right back here just in case I have a bad day. You can't end a chapter when you put a comma on the chapter. You can't end that when you set it aside because I can tell you what's going to happen when all hell seems to break loose on you and everybody's turned against you. And, and you know what I've realized? When it seems like everybody else is wrong, it's probably you. But when everybody else and nobody loves you and nobody values you and nobody sees your worth and you're at a low point and, it's, and the moon's in a weird phase, and, and the devil shows up, and he sounds like that little little rodent in the wall scratching. And, and, and you, you, I don't know. What, I'm just preaching to somebody now. I, you don't know what to do. You don't want it to do, and you're going to say, "You know what? I used to would have done. I would, I would, I would have went and got me some mac and cheese." And you go, "Thank God, I'm not a mac and cheese person anymore." But the lower you go, all of a sudden you hear a voice. And it says, I'm preaching truth now. You have some in the cabinet. You kept some of that in the fridge. You still have her number in your phone. I'll just text. I'm preaching truth now. Before long, you done snuck over here and you brought whatever that sin is back into your life. 
Because you didn't put a period on that thing. You didn't say it's done. You didn't cut it, off, cut it off. But Pastor Don, you don't understand. If I cut off that subscription to that, somebody's going to know I've got a problem. Well, the truth is they probably know you have a problem more than you think they know you have a problem. They're just waiting on you to make up your mind you don't want to have that problem anymore. It's that simple. And I know this seems silly that I'm preaching with mac and cheese, but, but again, it's better than me calling out your lust or your, your pornography or your hate or your cursing or your drink. Oh, sorry, I did that, didn't I? <laughs> and so what happens is you keep it nearby. And when you keep it nearby, <laughs> how many of you just feel the need to go home and make some mac and cheese right now? Can I see your hand? Yeah. But when you keep your sin nearby, Here's what happens. You keep going back to it. And you keep going back to it. But what you need to do is get rid of it. You need to get it out of your reach. Get it away from you. But Pastor Don, I, I live in the world. It always seems to find me. Well, it won't find you as easy in the dark moments when you don't have it in your home. When you don't have it connected to who you are. When you don't have it on speed dial anymore. So you make up your mind, I'm going to have a change. And I know what you're saying, Pastor Don. I've heard sermons like this, and I just I don't know I don't know if I can do it. I've tried so many times on my own. The problem is the answer to what you just you're looking for is in what you just said. I tried it on my own. But there is a thing that the Bible says when you don't know. I was telling somebody this just the other day. When you don't know how somebody's going to make it, when you don't know how you're going to make it, the Bible says you call out three words to it. Are you ready for it? Three words: grace, grace, grace. You call out grace, grace, grace. And, and some of you are going, what does that have to do with anything? Because when the enemy starts calling me back to my yesterday, I start calling out under grace. I begin to speak of his grace. I begin to speak of his mercy. And with every step forward, his grace begins to undergird me. And before long, what I thought I couldn't leave behind is so far behind me, there's no way I will go back. I mean, I am who God called me. That's not who God called me to be. Amen. I just love when people make that decision. I love it because we have a lot of people set free around this church. They'll, about five years from the moment they get saved to the end, they'll come to me, particularly if they come through one of the regeneration programs, and they'll bring me their license. And they'll say, do you know who this is? And I say, well, if you'd move your thumb, I could see their name. And they're like, that's me. When they look, I mean, they look shot out. Eat up. Sin had a hold on them. Can I tell you the one common thing that's the same almost every single time with them? They have fleshed out. That's a polite way to say they put on a little weight. You know why? Because the Bible says the righteous shall be fat. Come on now. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, put on a little weight, haven't you? You said, I'm just growing in Jesus. Come on now. Amen. Somebody think I'm misinterpreting that verse a little bit? I really believe that verse. But what I mean by that verse is this. In case you can't get it yet, sin eats you alive. It will literally eat the flesh off your bones while you're walking. But grace is what's going to give you victory. And grace is going to give you power. And it will restore you. It will restore you. And it's time for you to make up your mind that you're going to be restored. You see, 
You have to come to that place to where if you want to break a habit, stop a conflict, or stop going back to what was in your past, you're going to have to make it actually your past. Can I just pre- what just popped in my spirit? It's not a part of your past if you still have some of it in your present. So my past is coming after me. No, 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 it's, that's not your past. That's your present. The greatest power to defeat your past is putting it in your past. That's free. You see, there has to be a point where you sell everything out that was. I am not your friend anymore, sin. And you do not live here any longer. Pastor Don, you actually expect us to have life change? Yes. I am not doing this for my health. I'm not doing this for fun. I am preaching the Word of God because I need it as much as you need it, that God Himself can change who we are. You see, when we commit fully to the present in the here and now, we stop living in the past or even saying someday I'll do this, then change begins to come. In order to be sold out for God, we must, we must have a defining point in our lives. Do you remember when the tax collector who put his faith in Christ, what did he do? He went out and sold half his possessions and gave them to who? The poor, Scripture says. Gave them to who? The poor. I want you to get this. That didn't save him, but it did draw the line. Listen to me. The woman who broke the alabaster box and poured it upon Jesus' feet, it didn't save her, but there was no going back. It drew the line. There was a revival that occurred in Ephesus. And I want you to get this. The revival started so radically, and you knew it was a true revival because the people were bringing their instruments of sin out of their houses, their sorcery, their idols, their witchcraft. They brought them out of their houses and piled them up. And the Scripture actually tells us that 50 thousand drachmas worth of silver and value was piled up in the streets. I want you to get an understanding of that. Or I want you to understand what that is. One drachma was one day's wages, okay? So 50,000 was 138 years worth of wages were piled up in the street to be burned, to be melted so they could not go back. They said it's not just enough to take it and sell it so somebody else can be bound by it. It's not just enough to keep it in a closet in case we ever want to go back, we have found something better. So almost $3.8 million worth of resources were piled in the street and they lit them on the fire. Why? Because the Jesus they had found was more valuable to them than the thing they had held on to. I am preaching a Jesus that's more valuable than anything you've ever found and there's nothing you give up that he won't restore in a better fashion to your lives. And I want to give you this truth. And it's not my, I don't even know, I, I, got, I stole this quote from somebody years ago. I don't know where I stole it from, but I've said it long enough, it could be mine. But here's a quote. It says, one of our fundamental spiritual problems is we want God to do something new while we keep doing the same old thing. Oh, bring me to a new place, God. And he says, come on over here. You know, I had a family member, one of my children, who I I could see a need coming in their lives. And for a year, I said to them, save money. Save money. You're going to need some money. Save money. And what they didn't know was that I went to their mother and said, 
Now, you and I need to be in agreement on this. If they save money, when this happens, I'm going to match it up to $5,000. I'm going to match it for them. Okay? And so the day came and the need was there. And so it was the, the come see dad about how we're going to get this fixed moment. Okay? And so I looked at this person and I said to them, I said, all right, before you tell me, I want you to know that dad is going to match up to $5,000 of what you've saved. Their eyes lit up. All they heard was, dad's going to give me $5,000. And so I said, okay, I've been telling you for a year. Here we are. How much have you saved? I don't care if it's $5,000, up to $5,000. I want to match it for you. And they said, Dad, I, I didn't save anything. I said, well, here's the good news. Dad's going to match exactly what you saved. <laughs> and their countenance fell because... They couldn't step into a greater blessing because they didn't make the changes in their life to position themselves for a blessing. Are you with me? I'm going to close with this. One of my favorite stories, I actually shared it a few weeks ago, and I'm sorry to come back around to it so quick, but I think it's important. Imagine the moment. The famed El Dorado has stood for 600 years. 600 years people have, have invaded trying to conquer El Dorado. It is not quite what it is as proclaimed to have been, but it has become very opulent and wealthy in this 600 years of its standing. For 600 years, army after army had been repelled. An adventurer, an explorer, and I'm not justifying his, his efforts to brutally attack another society, but, but Hernando Cortez lands, brings all of his supplies off of his boat to prepare for the invasion and the attack against El Dorado. As he does so, and he comes to this place, he marshals his men, he builds them up, and then he takes a flag and he waves the flag and the few remaining men on the boats light the boats on fire. Imagine that moment. You are far from home. All you want to do is conquer this, go home rich, and you watch as your exit door slams shut and somebody bolts it. You watch as the way you're going home is destroyed. And so the men become despair at first and then they turn to rage and they're about to kill Hernando Cortez. And he marshals them again. And these are the words that, that have been somewhat disputed between different people in history, but these are the words that, that he utters. He says, he says, men, if we are to go home, we will go home in their boats. Wow. If we are to go home, we will go home in their ships. In other words, there is no turning back. There is no keeping sin around the corner. There is no, I am going to have a backup plan to my faith. That's not faith. 
I have made my decision. I have staked my claim. Come hell or high water, my God is the living God. His name came and his son came and we know him as Jesus Christ. And no matter what, whether in good times or bad times, health or sickness, favor or disfavor, blessings or curses, it does not matter. There, We're not going back. We have made up our minds. We go forward for Jesus. This is it. This is the moment. Would you stand with me in this place? This is the time. This is who we are. This is what we're called to do, to make up our minds, to eliminate what we have stored in the back room, to eliminate what we've kept just in case God doesn't make uh, us happy one day. People don't understand the words, and I'm about to preach on this, but don't understand the words of Paul that says, I am content in whatever way I find myself. It's why? Because they've got an escape plan. When you eliminate the escape escape plan, you learn to find the victory where you are. Bow your heads with me in this place. God's speaking to us. God's challenging us. And yes, I did finish this message a few minutes early. But I don't want you to let that stop you from making connection to what I just said. Some of you are going to make up your mind. You know what it is you're supposed to cut off. You know what it is you're supposed to get rid of. You know what it is you've got to stop doing. You know the decision you need to make so that you can walk into the new place of anointing that God has prepared for you, but you'll never get there until He changes who you are. So what change does he need to make? You know what it is. If you know what it is, I'm not going to ask you, but I just want to see your hand. If you say, yes, I know what God's dealing with my heart about right now. Let me see your hand. Hold it up. Hold it up high. Hold, keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. The majority of hands in this place. Put those down now. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. And I'm believing that you're going to learn to call grace out in the middle of that temptation. You're going to learn to call grace. And when you remind yourself of his grace, you're going to find that His grace is greater than your sin. For where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Now I'm going to pray for one last group. I didn't embarrass this group, and I'm not going to embarrass you either. But if you're here today, would you join the many in the last service who responded at this point? Because some of you, you see, this is the line, this is the new chapter, this is the mark, this is the moment. You know Jesus has something better for you, but you can't even walk toward it because you've never started serving Jesus with your life. If somebody were to ask you, are you living as a Christian? You're not living as a Christian. You're not, you're not serving God. You are not living as a child of God. And you say, today I'm drawing the line. On this day, I'm drawing the line. This is it. Today I want to know Jesus. If that's you, this is your day. And you would say, Pastor, I am ready to serve Jesus with my whole heart. I want to know him as my Lord and Savior. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out any different than I did those who just raised their hands. But if that's you, I want to see your hand right where you are. Get it up quick. Hold it up fast. One, thank you. Are there others? Two, three, four, five, six. Are there others? Seven, eight. Are there others? This is your moment. Nine, are there others? This is it. I see these hands. I see these. Ten, eleven. Are there others? This is it. This is your moment. All right, what I want you to do now, listen to me carefully. You don't, if you don't know the people near you, that, that's totally fine. If somebody with you in your group or somebody you're comfortable with, I want you to just reach over and take a hand near you. 
The Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that line would be drawn and we would be born again. We're going to all pray that prayer with them. And then I'm going to pray for everybody who's responded today. But this is it. Pray this prayer of faith with us. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost of God. Father, before we pray that prayer, I thank you. I thank you. My goodness. Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel Jesus. Just right where we are. You're still in a moment of prayer. Where are you that you thought you missed your chance? You haven't raised your hand already. Where are you? This is your moment. You thought you and the devil already told you you, you, you missed it, but this is it. I'm going to see your hand. Where, where are you? I'm waiting on you. I felt, thank you, 12. Thank you. Ele- uh, 13. Thank you. I feel Jesus. All right, let's pray this prayer of faith with all of these. The Bible says if we confess him, that we will be saved. Let's confess Jesus Christ together. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promises. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And in Jesus' name, I give you my past, my present, and my future. I repent of my sins. And I receive your grace. I believe Jesus came for me. He died for me. And he lives forevermore. And I'm going to pause this for just a moment. I want you to understand as we make this last declaration, this is literally stepping across the line. I just feel the Holy Spirit strong today. Listen, somebody's coming home to Jesus in this group. I feel the Holy Spirit. Now make this declaration with me. And now... I declare that God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 815, 930, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.